My passion is this. It's to see God bring revival to Israel and to the Middle East and then unto all nations. Um, this message, God's heart for Israel and God's plan to save the Jewish people is not a dead-end street. It is unto the salvation of all the Arab world and all the Middle East, and which is unto the salvation of all nations. So um, in Romans, Paul gives this strong mandate in Romans 1 verse 16. He says, the gospel is the power of God for salvation and for all who believe first to the Jew and then also to the Greek. And the word Greek there is Gentile or non-Jew. And Paul says that only once. It's in Romans 1, you know, 16. But he modeled it everywhere he went in all his missionary journeys. Did you know that? When he went from, you know, uh, southeast Turkey, Antioch, over to Cyprus, and then he went up into, it's like, southern Turkey, and then all the way up Macedonia and over to Greece and all the way down. His missionary journeys... Everywhere he went, where would he go first? It says he went to the town and he went on a Sabbath and taught in the synagogue. Everywhere he went, he went first to the Jew. But he was called to the Gentiles. He was an apostle called to the Gentiles. So there's something about God's order that Paul modeled first to the Jew. And I'm endeavoring with Caleb Global to help bring that model back to the bride, saying, let's reach out to the Jewish people first. And I'm so grateful. I don't know if you know, New River supports our ministry. So you are actually reaching to the Jew and, and to Israel and then unto the Middle East. We also do outreach unto the Arab world and the Palestinians. So you don't have God's heart if you don't have his heart for both Jew and Arab and all tribes and tongues. And I know there's this war going on. I'm not going to teach on the war. But I will say one verse as I prayed right when the war broke out. I'm like, God, what's your heart? This is so confusing because you love the Palestinians. You love the Jewish people. There's this terror group that did barbaric, inhumane things, only reminiscent of even worse than the Holocaust. The Holocaust was kind of hiding it. This is just almost just gleefully doing these horrific acts of, of terror. What's your heart? And the Lord spoke to me, Micah 6, 8. And I'm just going to, it's just, he has shown you, oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. And this is the first thing, do justice. So my, I just really believe according to that scripture, justice needs to be done that terrorists need to be held accountable and knowing that they're basically not going to stop even in their own charter, the Hamas charter, until all Jews are killed and all Israel's decimated. So there needs to be justice. And, and that takes armies to bring justice. And so as much as I don't want any unnecessary loss of life, but I believe justice needs to be done. But the second thing do justly, love mercy. So as the body of believers, we're not to love justice. We're to do justice, right? Some people love justice and it's very 
it's not God's heart. He is just. The foundation of his throne is justice and righteousness. But we're to love mercy, which means my prayers are for those terrorists to get radically saved, that the love of Jesus will crash in on them in their terror tunnels. And then for all the Jewish people, all the children, just my heart is mercy and my prayers. And when we go, we're bringing mercy. We sent someone there from our community who's serving all the displaced people. And we have funds going all over the land and going to the Palestinians. And then to walk humbly with our God, which is, it's crazy and things like this, people can be so uh, kind of self-appointed experts, right? Especially on social media. Well, I think Israel should do that. Or I think Hamas. Or I th it's like, wait, am I an expert? <laughs> I need to walk humbly and just say, you know what? By the grace of God, there go I. I can't judge. I can't be an expert. I need to just be humble. I need to pray. I need to stand on the word. And so I just really feel a fear of the Lord, even though our ministry is pro-Israel, you know, blessing the Jewish people. But I'm not getting in a political place of judging and telling everyone what they should believe. And I'm just like exalting the word and exalting Jesus. And so that's the scripture the Lord gave me concerning this whole conflict. And I, I'm sticking by it because it's the word of God. But this morning, I want to just share, I'm going to share, I'm going to give you a little, little bit of an analogy, and then we're going to go into this. But basically, this, this promises of God, standing on his promises, he has a promise to the Jewish people and to Israel. And what's beautiful about that is that is the same promise he has to you and me and to every nation on earth. So I'm going to just start with this um, story. It, imagine, so you're a child, and I think we all, we all were children, right? Do you remember? Some of us can remember more recently than others, but when you're a child, the way you relate to your father, and, and you can say father and mother, but the way you relate to your parents is, for the most part, Children are fairly self-focused in their relationship. Even I have a new granddaughter. And the only time the granddaughter, she'll cry, is when she needs something. Like, I need to sleep. I need to eat. And for children, even as they develop, it's basically, Dad, I need help. I'm hungry. Mom, I'm hungry. I want that. I want this. I want, I want. And... God made us like that so we'd survive, right? I mean, maybe God knew parents weren't always going to think about feeding the baby. You know, if the baby's never cried, it'd be like, oh, shoot, I forgot. I was binge watching Netflix and it's been eight hours. You know, my baby's so, ah! oh, okay, here you go. God just knew we're not that sharp. Same with, you know, just as kids grow up. Didn't realize you needed new shoes. Didn't realize, oh, I forgot, you know, whatever. And joking aside, but there really is a self-focus in the relationship between a child and a parent, which is not bad. It's part of development. What's bad, though, is if it stays like that. Where the only thing a child does when he 
connects and relates to a parent is it's all about them. I need, I need. Next day, I need this. And, I need, and as a parent, if you have children are getting older and older, that can be a little exhausting. Like, hey, you, I got you your grandma, you know, I helped work a deal with your grandma and you got a car that runs, you know. Well, no, I need this because I moved to Williamson County and everyone has a four-wheel drive truck. Like Texans, you know. I remember these, when we ran one of our first training school, we had like four guys from Texas come and they're like, hey, could you mind if we, you know, park our cars out on the road? And I'm like, sure. You know, I'm thinking like little Honda Accord or something. They all had four-wheel drive trucks and they call them cars. It's like, that's not a car. That's like a semi. That's it. But you know, if you have children, you have relationships and as they grow and grow and grow, and all they want, when you talk to them, they just say, hey, I need this, Dad. Can I borrow some money? Can, I, can you pay for this? Man, we're hungry. And if it's always that way, do you know that? I, as a father, you're like, yeah, I, anything I can do. But it's just, there's a little bit of an empty feeling with that. And I want to submit to you, I think it's the same with God. There you go. I saw you looking at that. Too many of us in our relationship with God is just about us. And he, he doesn't mind that, right? He wants to bless us. But it's God, I just need this. I, will you provide for this? Oh, thank you. Now, now will you provide for this? And, and, and can you provide for my kids for this and this and this? You know, and he, that, he doesn't get offended by that. He's a gracious father. Or God, I just, could you, you know, I need healing. I need help. Yes, he is the healer. Holy Spirit's the helper. God, can you help me understand? Can you help me know this? Can you help, can you, and it's all not terrible, but it's all about us. And I need, can you give me, can you give me? And I want to submit to you, there's something beautiful when a child gets to a certain age, and some of them can be young or whatever age, and they turn and say, hey, mom, hey, dad, what do you want? Is there anything I can do for you? You know, I never knew, what's your heart? Like, what, what's your passion, dad? I need to watch football and this and that. No, but what's, what's your passion? I want to know your heart. Because I, I care about what you want. I care about what moves your heart. I care about, you know, what are your dreams? What are your desires? I don't have a bunch of money. I can't do it all, but I just want to know. I want to know you. And that's what this is about. Understanding Israel is about knowing God's heart. And it can be kind of offensive to people. Like, Why? What? What's up about Israel? You know what? Let's step away from our own. How does this benefit me? What is this about me? Let's just look at it. What does God's word say? 
Let's journey into his heart this morning. And in Deuteronomy, one of the first times he talks about the Jewish people. And you know, Jewish people come from one man, a guy named Abraham. He's the father of the Jewish people of the nation of Israel. But guess what? He's our father too. In Romans 4, it says, we all have come to faith through the faith of Abraham. Abraham believed and was credited righteousness. And you have that song, Father Abraham and many sons, many sons, and I am one of them. So are you. Let's just praise the Lord right on left. We are children of Abraham by faith. But this is the beginning, how God explains his heart, his perspective. It says, in um, Deuteronomy 32, 9, I'm just, this is part of an introduction. It's not on the board. But it says, but the Lord's portion is his people. This is the Lord's portion. It's like God said, this is mine. This is what I want. The Lord's portion is his people. Jacob, and Jacob changed, name changed to Israel, right? Jacob, his allotted heritage it says he found him in a desert land, dry desert land. It was in southern Iraq, Ur of Chaldeans. In the howling waste of the wilderness, he encircled him. He cared for him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. You know, the apple of your eye is your pupil. It's the black part of your eye that regulates light coming in and out. And God said, he says it again in Zechariah, but he says the Jewish people are the apple of his eye. And I want to submit to you, you, are, you will never have God's eyesight without understanding God's heart and perspective towards Israel and the Jewish people. Because they're the apple of his eye. And it really, it's not about them. It's about, yes, it's about them, but it's about how he loves you. When you know how much he loves Israel and the Jewish people, then you know how much he loves you and your land. And it says, like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them on its pinions, the Lord alone guided him. No foreign God was with him. So this is, describes God's perspective of the Jewish people. And then a lot of people, and I was like that, like, why did God choose the Jewish people? You know, and some people say, oh, well, they, they're smart. You know, they've, there's all these Nobel Peace Prizes that they won. Some of them are really wealthy. That's not the reason at all. Let's look at the reason. And it's really clear in Deuteronomy 7, verse 6, it says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you. This is where you get the word, the verse out of the, the chosen people. Like Retebe and everybody see, you know, Fiddler on the Roof. He's like, God, could you choose someone else? You know, because all the problems and the tax and persecution... It's like, could you have chosen something else? But he says, the Lord your God has chosen you. And then it explains why. 
He said, to be a people for his treasured possession. What's your treasured possession? Is there anything that you treasure? If the fire broke out at your house, what would you grab? Is it, you know, if you're musicians, your favorite instrument, if you're a hunter, your best gun, if you're a parent, your best child. No, I'm just kidding. You're, <laughs> gotcha, I can shine it. What's your treasured possession? He said, out of all the peoples on the face of the earth, it was not because you're more in number than other people. So it wasn't because they were great. So let's get rid of all that. Let's not lift up Israel or Jewish people as better than anything else or anyone else. That crosses the line for me because that's not in the Bible. When, and I appreciate those well-meaning Zionist kind of people like Israel's just perfect and Jewish people are perfect. I'm like, no, he chose them because he loved them and he saw them as a treasured possession. But he says they were not, they were not more numerous than any, any other people, but the Lord set his love on them and chose them because they were the fewest of all people. So they're his treasured possession. He set his love on them and chose them because they were weak. This is why God chose them. And it's why he chooses us. He's so good. And it says, but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping an oath he swore to your fathers. So God loves Israel even to today with that covenantal, unconditional love that's not based on their performance or their strength because he made an oath to their fathers. Okay, so now we're going to get into this. Um, the standard for us, Paul brings it in Romans 9, 10, and 11. And we're just going to look at Romans 9 first. And um, this is, hopefully this will not be boring for you. Hopefully this will provoke you. <laughs> no, I, when it comes to understanding God's heart, we see that in the Old Testament. The, I love, it's called, the, I love, a friend of mine who's a scholar says the original testament. Because original is cool that, especially in this younger generation, you know, it's the original and not just the old. So original testament, we saw what God said in Deuteronomy. But let's look at Paul in, in Romans 9. And he makes three qualifier statements because he doesn't want us to think this is just because he's Jewish or just because, you know, he's reaching first to the Jew. Read, look at this. It says, first qualifier, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. Number two, I am not lying. Number three, my conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. He's about to say some heavy things. And he's saying, this is true. I'm not lying. And the Holy Spirit is the one who's bearing, you know, bringing this revelation. And then he says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. It means the anguish has never goes away. 
For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Now, this is almost unbelievable. I think that's why I said those three qualifiers. That you could actually want to be cut off, meaning not be saved. Actually, forfeit your salvation for the sake of the Jewish people. Saying, that's not my emotions. That's not my, I'm not lying. That's actually God's heart that I'm feeling. This unceasing anguish, this pain, because they're not saved. Now, this is the bar. This is the standard for us. If you don't feel any tinge of this, you don't know your father's heart. And he explains, he says, they are Israelites. To them belong the adoption. They were adopted before we were. Do you know when people say the Jewish people are the natural born children? They're not. That's not biblical. They're the first adopted children. And then we were adopted after them. For theirs is the adoption. Theirs is the glory, the glory of God that came down on Mount Sinai, the glory of God that was on them all those centuries, filled the temple on David, all the prophets, all the kings, the glory. Theirs are the covenants, God's promises. This whole theme of this series is all about promises. They got all of them first. We're grafted into those promises, but they got them first. Even the new covenant was prophesied to them in Jeremiah and Ezekiel. It literally says new covenant about the Holy Spirit moving us to obey. It's, holy, that's, it's all to them first. The Messiah, Jesus said, I came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, not to the Gentiles. He wouldn't, you know, and the, the Syrophoenician woman's like, could I just have the crumbs? He's like, I didn't come. It was all for the Jewish people first. And it says, to get, they were given the law, the laws, the word of God, the worship and the promises, to them belong the patriarchs, the fathers. From their race, the ethnicity of the Jewish people, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. So this understanding is not super prevalent in the body of Christ. The, the radicalness of, of God's heart. And this standard for all believers. That if we, amen. I hear that call to line with God's word. So that's my question to you. I don't want to freak you out, but I do want to just raise the standard of God's word. And say, if you don't have this heart, you don't have God's heart. 
And sometimes it's all about, I just need groceries. I just need to get, what are we going to do for Thanksgiving? I need to figure out what am I bringing for Wednesday night's party? What am I going to do? And God's saying, that's all good. And that's all that, you know, I care about every care. Everything you care about, God cares about more. But when you stop and go, you know what? God, I'm going to stop thinking of myself and just my family, just my life. What about you? What's, what do you care about? This is what he cares about. It's one of the things. It's not the only, but I want to submit this to you. I guarantee you're gonna, you will experience more intimacy with God and more just this, your worldview of God's heart and God's perspective of the world will radically expand and deepen and a sweet intimacy will come when you ask him for his heart for Israel and the Jewish people. It's not about a political rally. It's not about just an ethnic adoration. It's about God's heart. So let's look. We're going to move to chapter 10. Um, brothers, verse 1. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, which is Israel, is that they may be saved. And then he says, for I bear witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. The word knowledge, you understand in biblical understanding, knowledge is experiencing. Um, that's the, what the Hebrews, you know, the Jewish writers, uh, you know, it's translated to Greek here in the, in the New Testament. But the understanding is if you know something, you've experienced it. And so the Jewish people that said they had a zeal for God, but they don't really know him. It's not based on knowledge. And then, so then later in chapter 10, it's talking about God's plan to reach them. And then verse 19, it says, um, Paul says, but I asked, did Israel not understand in their revelation of God? And first Moses said, and this is quoting Deuteronomy 32. He says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I'll make you angry. He's saying a nation is a people group, right? A people. Jewish people were the only people of God at that time. He's saying, I'm going to make you jealous by a people who aren't a people of God. And I'm going to make you angry by them. And then it says, uh, Paul says in verse 20, then Isaiah is so bold to say, and this is Isaiah 65, verses 1 and 2, it says, I've been found by those who did not seek me. I've shown myself to those who did not ask for me. God's saying, I revealed myself basically to Gentiles. They weren't seeking me. They weren't the Jewish people. They, weren't, they didn't know to seek me, I, but I revealed myself to them. I was found by them. And that's explaining us as Gentiles, you know, my ancestors were good Scottish blokes. And, but for worship, they took sticks and stones and painted their faces blue and ran around in the night, appeasing the spirits. Watch Braveheart again and notice there's a lot, of, you know, they painted their faces blue. That was not because it was some cool, you know, team color. That was to ward off evil spirits. That was worship. I found God, even though I didn't know I needed him. The Jewish people all along 
have been given this connection to God, the one true God. So I've been, they, I was found by those who didn't seek me. I showed myself, didn't ask for me. And then it says in verse 21, but of Israel, he says, all day long I've held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. The Jewish people have gotten hard, hard-hearted. And so we jump into what's up with that? What's God's plan? And so this is where I want to connect God's heart for Israel. He wants us to have this heart. Why? Because he wants to save them. But he has a plan. And the plan is to make them jealous by a nation who's not a nation. By people who are not Jewish. And it says, we'll look in verse 11. So I asked, Paul says, did they stumble in order that they might fall? Did the Jewish people, when they rejected their Messiah, did they just stumble? And they're just going to fall away and not be connected and not, God doesn't have a plan for them, for Israel. Paul says, by no means, exclamation point. Rather, through their trespass, salvation's come to the Gentiles. Why? Why are we all saved now? As to make Israel jealous. There's a difference between envy and jealousy, right? Envy is when someone has something like the four-wheel drive truck, you know, and you're just like, what? That's, that's so nice. I want that. And it's more selfish, like, oh, I just envy this. You know, we're not to envy. Ten Commandments, do not envy. Jealousy is where I'm married, but my wife has been wooed and seduced by someone else who's taken my wife from me. Jealousy is, wait, that she's mine. She's mine. That was supposed to be for me. That's how we provoke the Jews to jealousy is we know their God. I have intimate relationship with their God who they don't even know anymore. I live my life based on the word of God that was their scriptures. This is their family journal. This is all about them. Their ancestors, literal of the flesh. But it's my, it's the word of God. So I have Relationship with their God. I need to provoke them to jealousy. Like, no, you, that was for me. That's my God. That's when I share with Jewish people. I say, I believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Like, well, how do you know? I said, well, I talked to him today. I think last time I was with you, I was talking about hearing God's voice. When I'm witnessing Jewish people, I bring up what I heard that morning. And they're like, how do you know? Every time with Jewish people sharing, they want to know, like, for sure. They'll basically beg you to share your testimony. How do you know God's real? That provokes them to jealousy. Because it was first theirs. And then, we'll keep going here. Um, there's a need for humility, though. And this is where I just want to gently bring this out. In, in Romans 17, uh, 11, 17, it says, uh, it's talking about unbelieving Jewish people. It says, but if some of the branches were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others 
and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree. We, don't, we share with other Jewish people that were already part of this olive tree. Don't be arrogant toward the branches, the ones that broke off, the unbelieving Jewish people. They're the ones that were broken off, that didn't believe in Jesus. To be in the olive tree today, Jew and Gentile, we all need to believe in Jesus. So some didn't believe and they were broken off. But it says, don't boast over those branches. Don't be arrogant toward those branches. If you are, remember, it's not you who support the root, but the root supports you. That's the Jewish people. That's Abraham, the faith of Abraham, the promise given to Abraham. We're all grafted into that promise. Some Jewish people have never been broken off. So... Yeah, let's, let's start the worship going. So I just want to end. Um, I'm just going to read through these scriptures. And, and if you want to just, just receive this as the word of the Lord to you. So Holy Spirit, I just ask, would you come and you soften our hearts through your word. I'm going to read from verse 28 through the end of the chapter. And as regards to the gospel, their enemies, the Jewish people, have become enemies for your sake, so you would be saved. But as regards to election, God choosing them, they're beloved for the sake of their forefathers. God's still faithful to the promises he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. When God said, I choose you to be my people, my chosen, treasured possession, he never changed. When he said, I choose this land, I put my name on this land. It is my land. You are my people. That has never changed. It's irrevocable. For just as you Gentiles were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because the Jewish people's disobedience, their rejection of their Messiah is the reason Jesus went to the cross. And that's the reason you and I have mercy. We sang about it this morning. It's his blood. We receive that mercy. But so too now they've been disobedient. In order that by the mercy shown to you, they may also now receive mercy. So because you're saved and have the love and mercy of God, he's going to show them mercy through you. So I just ask God, would you give us your heart? that we would show mercy to Israel and the Jewish people according to your word here. Now just, could you just stand up for a second as we end? I'm just gonna, um, as Paul was writing this in Romans about God saving the Gentiles to provoke the Jews to jealousy and just to give us his heart for the Jewish people, says all Israel will be saved based on the fullness of the Gentiles, which I believe is us getting this revelation.
And he ends the chapter with, Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments. The judgment that he closed the eyes of Jewish people, hardened their hearts so that they would reject their Messiah, so that we could receive salvation through the cross. It says, Who's known the mind of the Lord? Who's been his counselor? Who's given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him, through him, and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And then I can imagine Paul just saying, okay, God, you just said you want to use Gentiles to show them mercy. And I know these Romans are going to, very logical, they're like, well, what does that mean, Paul? What, what do you mean, Mercy. What does that mean to have the Father's heart for Israel and Jewish people? And then he says, I appeal to you, therefore, because of this mercy, because of what I just said, I appeal to you by the mercy of God. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The word worship there is actually the, the word for service, for serving in the temple. So God's saying, I'll show you how to show mercy to them. Be willing to lay your life down. It's a living sacrifice. Even if it's not popular, even if there's major anti-Semitism, major anti-Israel bias and riots and demonstrations, I want you to stand up and be willing to lay your life down. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may test and discern what's the will of God, what's good and perfect, acceptable, and acceptable and perfect. So Holy Spirit, I just ask this morning, would you just give us your heart that we would know your will for each of us concerning this part of your heart that has never once backed off of choosing the Jewish people, choosing Abraham and all the Jewish people as your possession, as your portion. And I pray that you give us that maturity to love Israel and the Jewish people, not for what it does for me, or not, it may not fit in our main focus of our lives but Lord we know that is in your heart it's a, one of the main focuses of your heart so I ask would you give us your heart today in Jesus name in Jesus name I just feel convicted I, I do want to mention the one thing I don't like talking about Israel as a means to an end Genesis 12 does say, verse 3, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. So I'll leave that at the very end here, that there is a promise for us when we bless Israel that we also will be blessed. And so I just pray God's richest blessing of you. So just open your hands for a second, or do you want to do the benediction? I'm just going to pray, as Keith does every week, that the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Bless you guys. Have a great day.